All right. A couple prayer letters I have real quick for this evening. Uh, the uh, we'll start with the start with the Lewis family in Papua New Guinea that we support, and uh, and he writes. This is his August prayer letter, and uh, they're in Papua New Guinea. And uh, he says, we have been through quite a long, dry season spiritually. He's not talking about the weather. Uh, In our church, he says, we haven't seen lost people trust Christ, uh, Jesus as their Savior, for a long time. And the interest of the people in our area to the gospel seems to have all but died out. The Christians in the church were struggling as well, and nothing good seemed to be happening. Thankfully, even when we don't see God working, he is still faithfully moving and working in our hearts. And sometimes uh, that's true. You go through dry spells and, and you think, Lord, is anything going on? Is anything happening? Is anybody uh, responding to the word? And, and sometimes you think that. But then he goes on, and those can be long seasons uh, of time. But then he goes on and he says, just this last Sunday, we saw one lady named Frida, I'm going to call her Frida, uh, come under the convicting power of the Spirit of God and trust Christ alone to save her. So uh, they did have a salvation. They were glad to see that and then visitors as well in church. And so that uh, was certainly a blessing to them. Uh, Then they had a ladies conference. We hosted an overnight ladies conference last week, Friday, just for the ladies in our area. 32 ladies and 10 children came. And so they were very blessed to have that. Uh, they had a, a leadership conference as well, and then there's a conference coming up, and he says, uh, he's asking prayer for this conference. He says, we have finally got dates set for the conference in Popendetta. Uh, the, meetings, the meetings start on the 29th of this month, that would be September, and finish on the 3rd of October. Uh, please be in prayer for these meetings that God would bless and many souls would be saved. And so uh, they're continuing to work there in Papua New Guinea. And, uh, and boy, when you're on the mission field and, and you don't see anything going on, and uh, sometimes it's dreadful to write a prayer letter. You're like, man, um, but, uh, but sometimes that happens. So continue to keep our missionaries in prayer. That's the Lewises, Papua New Guinea. There's more information there in the letter. Uh, just kind of give you a few highlights from that letter. And then the Chacones, uh, remember they moved down to Columbus. Uh, They were not able to go back to Chile, but the Lord opened them the door to go to Columbus, and they're working on starting a church uh, down there with Brother Brian Dahlke, pastor down there in in the Columbus area. And he says, we have been visiting in areas where we know that there are a lot of Hispanics, but we have also been going to Hispanic supermarkets and talking to people entering the store. We have seen some good results from this form of contacting the people. There are five of these supermarkets within 10-minute radius of the church. On August 14th, we had a group from the Spanish class of Temple Christian School in Mansfield, Ohio, come and help us with a visitation blitz. Uh, We have seen two families come to the church from the areas we were in that day. It was a huge blessing. On another visitation day, we were able to lead a lady to the Lord. And so they're, they're grateful for that. Uh, prayer requests for the church to grow in numbers and spiritual wisdom and God's provision for the ministry and health and wisdom and how to reach uh, the Spanish-speaking population of Columbus. And then uh, pastor just talked to Brother uh, Brian Dahlke as well, and, and he said they've been having about 50 different individuals in church, and they just don't even have room for them. They had to move to a different room uh, that they were having them in. So the things are going good for them, and we thank the Lord for that. Uh, and, and continue to pray for them. 
that they will be able to reach more and get a, get a church started. It's exciting. You get people coming in, and a lot of times, sometimes they're very new Christians, and then sometimes they're interested, but then sometimes they kind of disappear and they don't hang around. So uh, continue to pray for that work, and I know that they will certainly appreciate that. All right. Well, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Proverbs chapter number 28. In Proverbs chapter 28, and this whole chapter really deals with righteousness and wickedness. I mean, you see the words very, very frequently throughout the entire chapter. And uh, we looked at personal righteousness, and then we looked at uh, the influence of righteousness and how our righteousness can really influence other people and, uh, and different situations. And this really almost falls into that same category, though it deals more with leadership. And so I, I put down as the title of the message, Leaders of the Land. And uh, we're going to look at the rulers and their influence that they can have uh, on, on the land that they're ruling. And the entire chapter, as I mentioned, deals with righteousness and wickedness. And it deals with it on a personal level as well as a national level. And these verses are very pertinent to us tonight in the USA. And, and I'm not a doomsdayer, okay? Uh, I'm not one. I know we live in a wicked day. But I'm not one to say, you know, God's going to judge us and there's no, out, there's no way out. And uh, I, I think, hey, as long as we're living and breathing, uh, hey, God's got an opportunity to do something. And so I'm not a doomsdayer, and I'm not saying that uh, God could judge America. Yes, uh, her policies and her wickedness does not go unnoticed by, by God, but neither does her righteousness. And there are still God-fearing, sin-hating, church-attending believers in America. Amen? Um, and... and we're a testimony to that. And, and so uh, I think, hey, there, as long as there are people still sitting in church and still going to church and still reading their Bibles and still living for God, uh, then there's an opportunity. And I'm not ignorant of the wickedness in America. And I'm not ignorant of the lukewarm state of many believers in America. Uh, but I'm also not ignorant of what God can do with a, a small group of people that are righteous. And so uh, let me just throw that out there because some of these chapters, I don't get to pick the verses rather. Uh, I don't get to pick what's written in the verses, okay? And so some of them are negative uh, and some of them are positive and some of them are a little bit of both. Uh, but, uh, but as we look at it, understand this, that I think as long as, as, long as you and I are still alive in America, uh, God might send a revival and it may be to only Maslin, Ohio. Uh, I know there's other believers out there. I'm not discrediting them, but I'm saying, uh, you know, if, if, if the world fell apart, God could, could send a revival just right here and put his hand of protection right here, just as he did in Egypt uh, with the nation of Egypt and how he protected the Israelites who lived in Egypt and, and judgment fell on all the Egyptians all around the Israelites. So uh, God is able to do those things. And so I want that to be very clear uh, tonight. In Proverbs chapter number 28, look with me at verse number 2. We'll read verses 2 and 3, and then we'll have a word of prayer. The Bible says this, For the transgressions of a land, many are the princes thereof. But by a man of understanding and knowledge, the state thereof shall be prolonged. A poor man that oppresseth the poor is like a sweeping rain which leaveth no food. 
Let's stop right there and let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you, Father, for your word that we can look to, we can study, we can read from. God, we can understand, we can grow uh, from your word. God, I pray that you would just be with me tonight. I pray, Father, that you'd use me. I pray, Father, that you'd speak through me. God, I pray that you'd help each and every person that's here tonight and those who are tuned in online who maybe could not make it or are not able to get out but want to hear. And God, I pray that you would uh, bless each and every listener. And God, may we be encouraged by the, uh, the influence, Father, really, that we could have on a nation that is not right. And God, will thank you for that. And God, I pray... Uh, again, that you'd bless the, the service tonight. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As we look at all these verses, uh, I, there's five verses that we're going to look at tonight. We're going to look at, and I'll give them all to you. You can jot them down. Verses 2, verse, verses two and 3, verses 15 and 16, and then verse number 28. And those are all the verses we're going to look at tonight. And I, I've Usually I'll go through each verse, but tonight we're going to do it a little bit different. And, uh, and we're going to, I've lumped a couple of them together and we're going to take half the verse uh, and look at it. And then we'll take the second half uh, towards the latter end uh, of the message. Because many times as the Proverbs are in verse number two, as we see written, it gives you a negative and then it gives you a positive. So I lumped all the negatives together and then at the end we'll close on a positive note. Amen. Uh, so that'll be a, that way you can leave here with a smile on your face. All right. Um, but as we look at verse number two here, it says uh, for the transgression of a land, many are the princes thereof. And I want us to see the first thing uh, that we notice in this verse. And we're going to look at another verse as well that goes with this is the direction of rebels. The direction of rebels. The Bible says here in this verse, the transgression of a land. Many are the princes thereof. A transgression is simply uh, to go against and to break the commandment of God. And so we understand that, uh, that that would be a transgression. It's an offense. It's a sin against God. And what he's saying here is for the transgression of a land. In other words, many people that would live in that land, because land obviously cannot transgress against God's promise. So it's not talking about physical dirt going against what God has written, but rather uh, many people that would, be, that would be all together in one spot going against the word of God. And that would be the direction of rebels. Uh, and that's what it's talking about. You notice uh, in the Bible, uh, if you've ever read through the book of Judges, it's pretty amazing uh, because the, the, the nation of Israel did not have a king. And God was to be their king. But you notice in the book of Judges, when you read it, the Bible says, And every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And they, they turned and they went away from God. And God would often send the Philistines as judgment on the nation of Israel. And once the oppression hit and once the problems began, they realized, oh, we have sinned against God. And, uh, and God would raise up a judge, a righteous man, that would uh, deliver them out of the hands of the Philistines or the other uh, whatever other country God would use to judge them and would ultimately bring them back to his word. But then you read in the very next chapter, and every man did that which is right in his own eyes. And it's a chapter of ups and downs. I mean, they're, they're, they're going back to God, and then boom, they plunge into sin. And they go back to God, and then they plunge back into sin. And they, they're constantly wandering away 
from God. And listen, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to understand the things around us that are going on. Hey, it is wickedness that is in the land. Sometimes people will say this. They'll say, uh, listen, if, if it gets much worse, God's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. And I don't know that we're that bad um, because I don't know. And maybe God sends judgment uh, for some sooner than others. I don't know. I don't know the mind of God, perhaps, of when he judges and why he judges. But I do know this. He is just in his judgment. And if he withholds just judgment, maybe it's because there's righteous there. I don't know. There's probably a lot that goes in uh, to all of that. But I do know this. The Bible says, for the transgression of a land, many are the princes thereof. What does that mean? Uh, many are the princes thereof. When there's no leadership uh, and when there's no authority, rather, uh, that, that people uh, start to think, well, who are you to tell me what to do? Um, that's one of the missing elements in our society. That's one of the many problems. Uh, even it, you, Well, let's take that down to a smaller size, to a, a school classroom. You know, some of the problems they used to have in, in the school classroom uh, were, were real simple. You know, the biggest things were chewing bubble gum. And, uh, oh, that, that would be the worst of our problems in school today. That's like a joke. That's not even close to a problem today. I mean, uh, we're talking the problems in our classroom are serious. And, uh, and, and it used to be that when the teacher uh, would, would send a note home to your parents that usually the child would get in trouble at home. Now, if a, if, if a parent sends a note home with the child, many times that parent comes in irate. What did you do to my little Billy to make, to make him such a bad boy? And the, the teacher gets a tongue lashing from the parent and things are just so backwards because they've lost this, the idea of authority and somebody being in charge and, uh, and everyone thinks, well, I'm in charge. And so everyone raises up and they become princes in the land. In other words, they think, well, I have the authority. And people will buck against authority. They don't respect authority. They don't want to follow authority. They don't want anything to do with authority. Uh, because, listen, they think, well, I know better than everyone else. And so we see that uh, princes will arise. And listen, when you have uh, a lot of people that, that claim that they're in charge, you know what's going to happen ultimately? Something we've talked about, something we've looked at in the past, division and contention. Contention is two people struggling for authority. And so uh, when you have many princes in a land and many people who think they're in charge, listen, there's going to be all kinds of division. There's going to be all kinds of problems. There's going to be all kinds of uprisings. And, uh, and listen, we can see some of those things that have taken place in our country over the past year and a half, two years. And, uh, and it's some of the fruit of uh, just transgression in the land, bucking the authority of the Word of God ultimately and of God and saying, well, you know, if there is no God, then who's in charge? And, and somebody says, well, I am. And, and the other person says, well, what makes you better than me? Why are you in charge? And they're right. I mean, if, you're, if we all came from a from, from animals and we're all nothing but a pile of rocks and a bunch of atoms that transformed and evolved, then nobody's better than anybody else and nobody has a, a, a position of authority. But that's why we reject all of that because the Word of God tells us very clearly that God established the world. 
that God created mankind and that God is the authority of mankind and that God sets up authorities and presidents and kings and kingdoms and, uh, and, and he tears them down and he sets them up and that's all established by God. And when there is a seat of authority, then there is somebody in charge and there is some, uh, there's not a bunch of princes that saying, well, I'm in charge and I'm the, I'm the guy giving the orders around here. No, God is in charge. And, uh, and so we need to understand and recognize uh, that authority. We see the transgression of the land causes many princes to arise. And, uh, and that causes uh, many divisions uh, and many contentions and everyone thinking that they're the final authority. And by the way, isn't it interesting that, uh, that, that transgressions can arrive in any establishment? Uh, I know I've mentioned this before, but I'm, I'll, I'll mention it again. I think it's important. You think about Harvard, you think about Yale, you think about Princeton. And on one side of the scope, we think, wow, those are the top, those are the elite schools in America. But at the same time, they're the most godless institutions that exist today. But they didn't start like that. They started out as Christian colleges. They started out with, uh, with, with pastors and ministers that were teaching uh, the Word of God in those institutions. What happened? They lost authority. And look at what it says in our verse. For the transgression, transgression of a land, many are the princes thereof. And all of a sudden, you're, you're only an authority if you graduate from that school or from this. And it has nothing to do with a godly heritage. It has nothing to do with creation. It has nothing to do with knowing who God is because the foundation has been completely destroyed by the transgression of their sins. And so we find that, listen, that transgression will absolutely destroy places. Not only that, but look with me at verse number 16. It says this in Proverbs 28, 16, The prince that wanteth understanding is also a great oppressor. It was talking about princes and how they arise in verse number, th verse number 2 there. Uh, because of the transgression of the land, many princes are... Um, or they're, they're, many are the princes thereof. In other words, they... they uh, pride themselves and they raise up themselves as, as princes. And then in verse 16, the prince that wanteth understanding is also a great oppressor. And that word wanteth means, it means to be in lack of. In other words, uh, when I first read it, I thought, oh, this guy wants, uh, wants understanding. No, this is not a guy who wants understanding. This is a guy who is lacking understanding. And, uh, and the word Want, I didn't put it in my notes here, but I did look it up in the dictionary, and it means lack. It means to, uh, to not have. It's a, it's a lack of, of understanding. And it says, the prince that wanteth understanding is also a great transgressor or oppressor. Uh, oppressor is one that imposes unjust burdens on others, one that harasses others with unjust laws or unreasonable severity. Uh, and listen, wicked people have no problem requiring of other people more than is even reasonable. 
one of the thoughts that came to mind when I read that is, is when the nation of Israel was in Egypt and, uh, and the, chair, the Pharaoh had changed over and, the, and he didn't know uh, Joseph any longer and there was a new Pharaoh there and the nation of Israel began to multiply and, and the nation of Egypt got scared and so they made them slaves and after a while uh, they said uh, the, the nation of Israel... Uh, or the, the Egyptians rather said, hey, no more baby boys. You're supposed to kill all the baby boys. And they didn't listen. And, uh, and eventually the, uh, the Egyptians said, you know what? Make them produce double the amount of bricks and don't even give them the straw. You know what they were doing? They were oppressing them. They were giving them more work to do uh, and they were supposed to complete it in the same amount of time and yet they were giving them less materials. And what is that? That is, that is oppression. That's what this verse says. The prince that wanteth understanding or is lacking understanding is also a great oppressor. And uh, listen, you think about that oppression. You think about people who demand uh, far more than is even reasonable or uh, possible. And you think this. Think of these things. Kindness. No, that doesn't come to mind. No, that's, that's the opposite. You know what? Kindness. We're going through the fruits of the Spirit in our adult Sunday school class. And one of them is kindness and goodness and those things. And listen, those are attributes of Christ. That's not the attribute of an oppressor. An oppressor would be the exact opposite of the mind of Christ. It would be the exact opposite of the heart and desire of Christ. Go back with me to, to Genesis chapter number 19. Save your spot here in Proverbs. Genesis chapter number 19. And as we think about Sodom and Gomorrah, um, we have this example of wickedness and, and just the oppression, really, that was taking place. Genesis chapter number 19, just the first five verses we'll read. You know the story of, of Sodom and Gomorrah, but the Bible says here in Genesis 19, in verse number 1, And there came two angels to Sodom at evening. And Lot sat in the gate of Sodom, and Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground, and he said, Behold now, my lords, turn in, I pray you, into your servant's house, and tarry all night, and wash your feet, and ye shall rise up early, and go on your ways. And they said, Nay, but we will abide in the street all night. So these angels came to Sodom. And they were going to investigate the wickedness that was going on. And, and, and Lot sees them and he, he notes that they uh, look like decent people. And so he invites them into his house to stay in his house. And they say, no, we're going to stay out in the street all night. Verse number three. And this would be Lot. And he pressed them upon them greatly. And they turned in unto him and entered in into his house, and he made them a feast, and did bake unleavened bread, and they did eat. But before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round uh, both old and young, all the people from every quarter, and they called unto Lot, and saith unto him, Who are these men, or who are the men which came into thee this night? Bring them out unto us, that we may know them. And listen, they wanted to do wickedness to those men. And, and what, what happened is the transgression of the land had grown so large that, listen, some stranger would not even dare walk and wander into that city and spend the night on the street. 
In other words, listen, after dark, but it wasn't safe outside. There were problems and there was wickedness that was going to take place and there was oppression that they were going to, uh, to, to, to oppress other people with. And notice the amount of involvement. Listen, it was all the people of the city. Uh, it was a wicked place. Uh, it was a wicked, lawless land where sin had prevailed and, and a person was not safe in that town after dark. I'm just saying, I'm pointing out the wickedness and the transgression of the land and what takes place, uh, the direction of those rebels when that happens. Look with me at verse, back in Proverbs, chapter number 28. That's the direction of the rebels. We see uh, the wickedness and, and the oppression that takes place. Look with me in verse 3 of Proverbs 28. We'll see the damage of ruling sin. Verse number 3. A poor man that oppresseth the poor is like a sweeping rain which leaveth no food. Verse 3 does not have a positive side to it. Matter of fact, it's a pretty down uh, verse. It's a pretty negative verse. A poor man that oppresseth the poor is like a sweeping rain which leaveth no food. In other words, uh, there's poor men. We see the damage of ruling sin, and that's poverty. Um, the, the poor man, those who are poor are often harder on other people that are poor. Uh, they're just, I mean, they're even more oppressive. Like, like I'm going to prove to you a point uh, that, 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 you know, I can make your life even more miserable than it already is by, by implicating more oppression to that person. And, uh, and listen, uh, it's sad. I've been in some poor countries. Uh, I'm, I won't say the poorest of countries, but I have been in some poor countries and, and I've seen poverty on a level that, that, to be frank and to be honest with you, you don't experience in America. And I'm not being trite, I'm not trying to be unkind, I'm just telling you, uh, when you witness people that live in dirt floors and, uh, and don't have running water in their house and, and, and really are day-to-day, hand-to-mouth, I'm telling you uh, that they have a lot of poverty in a lot of other places. And, uh, and it's sad, but often that goes with this idea in verse number three that we read, a poor man that oppresseth the poor is like a sweeping rain which leaveth no food. There's no boundaries of decency to where they will oppress other people. And they will, they will take away everything. Uh, I remember the missionary, a friend of mine, was in uh, Venezuela when uh, things turned really bad. And, and, uh, and he stayed down there. And I remember reading, following his story and following his, uh, what was going on. And, and he said, you know, we, they didn't even know where they were going to get bread. And, uh, and he's, he was writing and saying how his church people were standing in line for hours just to get a piece of bread and just get a little bit of sugar. And, and what's happening, what's going on? It's the oppression of the poor by somebody else that's even poor. And, uh, and there's no boundaries to where uh, the, the deep poverty that some of these people will uh, end up in. Not only that, but look with me at verse number 15. We see the poor oppressing the poor, but the Bible says here in verse number 15, as a roaring lion and a ranging bear, so is a wicked ruler over the poor people. Not only do we see the poverty that they'll drive them to, but we see the persecution and the oppression that they'll put them in. 
And, uh, and you read this and you say, as a roaring lion and as a raging bear. And you think, man, those, those, that's pretty bad. Uh, what's, a, what's a lion and what's a bear? Is there some of the largest predators in, a, in the world uh, that would dare go after a man? They're uh, the predators, the animals that go after people. They'll uh, attack and kill people. I remember while I was hunting many times in uh, upstate New York, and, and I'd be sitting there, and we had bear in our area. And I didn't know the, the rules to bear hunting, and so I didn't never have a tag to go bear hunting, but I was always leery and watching out. And, and I, I remember one time I was sitting there in the woods, and, and, uh, and I'm, I hear something. I'm like, oh, man, a big deer is about to pop out. And I look, and it wasn't a deer. It was a bear. I thought, oh, man. And, and I look, and it had two cubs. I'm like, the only thing I know about bear is that when they have their babies, they become very protective, and you don't want to mess with them. That's all I know. It wasn't a big bear. It was just a black bear, but nonetheless, had two cubs with them, and, and I'm sitting there in the woods, and I'm like, I stood up, and I'm like, man, I don't, I don't know what to do. And, and, uh, and so I was just kind of watching it, and, and finally, it sent to me and left, but I thought, man, I don't want to go. Uh, I was a teenager, and I was a scrawny teenager at that, so I probably wouldn't have made even a good meal for that bear, but... Uh, but I thought, man, I definitely don't want to go head to head with a bear, uh, even though I'm armed and she has two cubs. And uh, why? Because they're, uh, they're, they're animals that will just, I mean, they'll, they'll attack, they'll kill. And uh, the Bible equates Satan to that. He says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And we find that this verse... Uh, compares uh, the wicked ruler over poor people uh, in the oppression and the persecution that he will put forth. And, uh, and listen, uh, some would attack simply to assert their authority over top of other people, just to show them, hey, I'm boss. Some would attack because uh, you have something that they want. Uh, the example I thought of in that was, was um, uh, Jezebel. When she, uh, Ahab rather, when he wanted Naboth's vineyard and, and Jezebel, uh, be, just because she was queen, said, you know what, I'm going to get that for him. And so she uh, manipulated stuff and wrote things and, and, and accused Naboth of doing something wrong that he did not do and had him killed and gave Ahab uh, Naboth's vineyard just to take what wasn't his. What am I saying? I'm saying, listen... When sin rules in a place, it will absolutely devastate. It will bring poverty, it will bring persecution, and it will cause all kinds of problems in that land. We're talking about uh, leaders of the land. And that's what this verse is saying. As a roaring lion and as a ranging bear, so is a wicked ruler over the poor people. We see the direction of rebels. We see the damage of ruling sin. Lastly... Go back to me with verse number 2. We'll look at the second part of that. The Bible says in the first part, For the transgression of a land, many are the princes thereof. Watch this. But by a man of understanding and knowledge, the state thereof shall be prolonged. Knowledge and understanding. You remember last week, uh, maybe the week before, we talked about knowledge and understanding. We talked about the fact that, hey, it's not our knowledge and it's not our understanding, but it's our leaning on God's knowledge and God's understanding and the Holy Spirit that dwells within us 
to help us have a proper understanding of all the things that are going on around us. And the Bible is telling us that, listen, even though there may be transgression in the land and princes may be rising up and wicked rulers may be oppressing, the Bible says here in the second part of this verse, but by a man of understanding and knowledge, the state thereof shall be prolonged. We see the direction of righteousness. And thank the Lord for that, that um, conjunction in that sentence. But by a man of understanding. Listen, a man of understanding, I, I thought of two examples. The first one that came to mind is Daniel. Daniel was a man of great understanding. Daniel was a man of great knowledge. Daniel was a man of great godliness. And listen, because of his righteousness, uh, I think, hey, the land was preserved. Uh, he served under three different kings. Listen, they were not good godly people. They were wicked people. Uh, they, they, many of them didn't like God. They were anti-God, and, and, uh, and they were very prideful and arrogant people. And yet God preserved that land and cast judgment on only that king, probably, possibly because of Daniel's righteousness being there. And you think about this, uh, God punished those leaders, but allowed the country to continue. Daniel actually served under three kings in Babylon, but it was his service rendered to the king of kings that preserved his life and kept things going in Babylon. What a wonderful example of the second part of this verse. But by a man of understanding and knowledge, the state thereof shall be prolonged. The second example I thought of that the Lord brought to mind was Joseph. And he was a, a man of great understanding and a man of great knowledge. And you think about the fact that they were in Egypt and they were uh, in slavery. And, and, and you think about Joseph's life, it's quite incredible. I, I will never grow tired of reading through the book of Genesis and reading through Joseph's life. It's phenomenal to me how he was, uh, how he was sold into slavery by his brother and then he was cast into prison. Hey, but at the right time when God was ready for him, God scooped him up out of prison and set him in his second of command in all of Egypt. What an incredible story. A man of righteousness, a man of knowledge, a man of understanding. And God used Joseph, we know this undoubtedly, that God used Joseph to preserve Egypt. And that by the preservation of Egypt and the crops that were there, listen, Israel was also preserved. What's the second part of this verse say? It says, but by a man of understanding and knowledge, the state thereof shall be prolonged. Listen, you don't have to be a dignitary uh, like Daniel was in the, uh, in the presence of the kings. Hey, hey, you can be a pauper like Joseph was, who actually was a nobody. He was a slave and then he was a prisoner that God brought up at the right time and said, Hey, this is your time to shine. This is your place of service. You followed me and you've obeyed me and you've, you're a man of understanding and you're a man of righteousness. And I've brought you to this time and place for a time like this. We find that, Dan, that Joseph was elevated and brought to that place. And that, that Egypt and Israel and even Babylon was preserved because of those men and their understanding. Look at the second part of that. The state thereof shall be prolonged. 
that God would allow more time, that God would give them more time. Uh, remember when Abraham was pleading with God for Sodom and Gomorrah in, in Genesis chapter number 18? Uh, we'll not go there for sake of time, but, but uh, God tells Abraham, hey, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham says, uh, listen, God, if you find just 50 righteous people, will you not destroy Sodom? And God says, I won't. And you know the story how he talks God down to, for 10 righteous people, he said, if you can, if there's just 10 righteous, hey, listen, God said, I won't destroy it if there's 10 righteous. And, and God left off talking at that point, and, and, uh, and there was no more negotiations. But what I'm saying is, listen, for, the, uh, for the, uh, a man of understanding and a man of knowledge, that would be somebody who would understand biblically uh, the things of God and, and a man that would have the knowledge of God. Hey, listen, God will preserve. That's why I say, is America in need of judgment? Well, probably. But hey, for the sake of the righteous, maybe God will hold off. Maybe more people will get saved. Maybe we'll have a spurt of revival break out. Hey, maybe we'll, have, we'll see God do something and move and work because of your and my understanding and knowledge. Not that we're smart, but that we have the Spirit of God that dwells in us and that we would lean upon Him and we'd seek His knowledge in His Word and that God would say, hey, I'm going to hold off and I'm going to preserve just a little bit longer because there's something going on down there. And hey, more people may get saved. What I'm saying is you and I can have a direction and ought to have a direction of righteousness and influence other people. Go with me to verse number 16, Proverbs 28, verse number 16. The second part of verse number 16, well, we'll read the whole verse, says, The prince that wanteth understanding is also a great oppressor, but he that hateth covetousness shall prolong his days. And I look at that and I think, not only is it a man of understanding and a, and a man of knowledge, but I, I take from that verse that he's a man of righteousness and that he would not be a man that was yielding uh, to, to coveting, but not only that he would not covet what others would have, but that he would absolutely hate covetousness. There's a difference between the two, between turning a blind eye to sin and will say, well, that's not right. And then saying, no, that's not right. And that needs fixed. And that should not be done. Uh, and hating covetousness. That would be hating sin. Not hating the sinner, but hating sin. Hating covetousness is not passive, but aggressive against sin. And listen, we ought to hate the sin in our own lives. We ought to be careful that we hate it enough that, hey, I don't want to fall in that. I don't want to go in that direction. I don't want to live that way in my life. Oh, we may mistake, make mistakes and we may mess up in our life. But listen, we ought not enjoy it. We ought not indulge in it. We ought not live in it. We ought to hate it that we would not live and follow in that direction. The Bible says in verse number 16, But he that hateth covetousness shall prolong his days. We've talked a lot about covetousness and contentment in the past. And listen, it's just important that we don't covet, and that we would be content with what God has given us. Go with me to the last verse, because our time is done. But look here in the last verse. The Bible says, When the wicked rise, men hide themselves. But when they perish, the righteous increase. Not only can we see the 
uh, preservation because of understanding and knowledge and righteousness, but also in verse 28, we can see the prosperity. Listen, when they perish, the Bible says, that's an opportunity for things to change. When the wicked ruler passes off the scenes and he's no longer ruling, that uh, righteous people can increase or could increase, and uh, that's allowing the influence of good to circulate throughout everything. Listen, we ought to continue to do right, no matter what. Bob Jones Sr. said, do right till the stars fall. Hey, just do right. Live right. Do right. And listen... As we look at these verses and we think about this, yeah, the world may be wrong all around us. But hey, for the man of knowledge and understanding, it prolongeth the state thereof. And for, uh, as we see here, but he that hateth covetousness shall prolong his days. And then, but when they perish, the righteous increase. In my closet, I got a bunch of ties. My son goes in there and he looks at them. He's like, this is old. This is old. He's like, man, this, this is out of style. This is, this is old. This is an old tie. And I say, yeah. You know what? I'm hanging on to it. You know why? Because styles just keep coming back around. Thin ties will be in and fat, then fat ties will go out and fat ties will come in and thin ties will go out and... And rather than just buy new ones, I just keep them all in my closet and I just kind of rot- I try to rotate with the time. Sometimes I just fooey on style and just wear what goes with what because I barely match my clothes. Listen, righteousness will never go out of style. Just keep doing right. Because someday when it comes back around, God's going to bless and righteousness is going to increase. Hey, just keep doing right. It doesn't matter if everyone around you is doing wrong, because the direction of righteousness can preserve a land. And as long as we're doing right, and as long as we're living for God, listen, God could bless. God could do miraculous things through a handful of people. He turned the world upside down with just 11 men that were dedicated to Him. What could God do with a church full of people They said, God, I want to be used to you. God, I want to serve you. God, I want understanding. I want righteousness. I want knowledge from your word. God can do something. You say, well, I'm not known. Neither was Joseph. Matter of fact, he was a prisoner. You don't have to be known. You don't have to have publicity. You don't have to have power to be used of God. You got to have knowledge, knowledge of his word, understanding, understanding that he gives you, and then righteousness, living right, and how God can use those people, those are the benefits that he showed, the increase and the prolonging of the state and all the things that he said there in those verses that God can certainly use us. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the seriousness of how you've written it out for us. And God, how sin, as the Bible says in Proverbs 14, sin is a reproach to many people, but righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to many people. And God, as Christians, help us to live right. God, that the state thereof might be preserved and help us to live right and to hate covetousness and hate sin in our own lives. And, and God, that, that, uh, that the land may be preserved.
and that righteousness may increase. God, I pray that you would just bless, help us, encourage us, strengthen us. God, I know sometimes living in a, in a wicked world can be discouraging. But God, help us to hold on to what's right. Help us to continue to follow you. To lean on your understanding. To get knowledge from your word. And to live righteously day to day. For your honor, for your glory. God, I pray that you'd bless each and every person. And we ask all of this in Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As the piano begins to play, if God's spoken to your heart, the altar is open. Maybe you just want to ask God to help you, to strengthen you, to live right, to do right. Maybe you want to thank God that, hey, listen, that righteousness will exalt a nation. Sin is a reproach to many people.